This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind Stocks on a Move. I'm Corey Johnson with episode number 226. Well, just ahead, CarMax can't deliver, but BlackBerry sees more cars being delivered. Could they both be wrong? And a fascinating conversation about creating modern internet interfaces with Wix founder and CEO, Avishay Arahami. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T dot com to learn more. I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Down, where we explain the business stories behind Stocks and Move. Join me on the mic today, Siobhan Field, all the way from Australia, but following all things in global business. Siobhan, how are you? I'm doing very well, Corey Johnson. How are you? Excited. Traveling the world still, or at least the United States, strangely. Lovely. Yeah, sounds fantastic. You'll have to come down to Australia and visit me soon. I, I can't drive there, but I've been doing a lot of driving. I'm, I'm on like 17 states so far. I think, I think I'm on 15 states in the last month, but that's another story for another time. Yeah, you have been on the road. And, you know, Corey, I have a feeling that our first drill down this morning might be related to, to all things automobiles. So what are we looking at? Well, let's start with CarMax. Okay, CarMax. It trades with the ticker KMX with a market cap of about $11 billion. Shares were down 11% in the last week. But for the last 12 months, shares are up 3%. So what is going on with CarMax? So vastly underperforming the S&P 500, CarMax is, especially in the last week, CarMax. Now, CarMax is a dirty word in my house. Okay, but let's, let's get my bias out of the way. I had a crummy CarMax experience in the last month. I got a, well, about two months ago. I got a messed up car from CarMax. They said I could return it within 30 days and they would schedule a truck to pick up the car. But I spent hours, as a heck, hours, I'm kidding. I spent hours on many days over and over and over again trying to get them on the phone, trying to get them to come pick up this car. They kept saying they were going to book an appointment. I bought another car from them, having not learned my lesson. And I spent weeks unsuccessfully trying to get that picked up. I finally told them to screw off. And okay, so maybe that makes me a little biased on what I'm about to say about the company, but uh, they are a hot stinging mess in my book. Uh, fiscal quarter, second quarter earnings report last week was weak. Uh, the combined retail and wholesale used car uh, sales were down 9% year over year to about 342000 And the average retail selling price fell $1,200 per unit or 4%. So how did CarMax explain their problems when car prices were falling? Well, they blame customers for not spending more on cars. Here is the CEO of CarMax. I think as far as the competitive environment, again, I, I think consumers are, are pressured right now and 
you know, we'll continue to monitor and, and provide vehicles that are a little bit older. Keep in mind, there's, there's you know, a large subset of the zero to 10 year old cars that just don't meet our parameters so much. Our technicians are great and no matter how good they are and how much money we put into them, they just can't make the, the cut as a CarMax car. And so we're not going to sacrifice on, on, on quality, but we'll continue to put out there vehicles that match our, our quality that they're, they're also looking for. So that's Bill Nash, the CEO of CarMax. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know what to make of that. But uh, when he talks about not finding enough cars that have their quality match, let me tell you about the quality that matched with the one of the two cars I bought from them. The only one I ever saw, three-year-old car, but it had a tilted suspension. It was advertised as having Apple's CarPlay or CarMax. It didn't CarPlay. It didn't. Uh, the brakes squeaked like a dying cat. The suspension rocked violently at high speed on the on the highway. While driving, it was like shaking like crazy. A, a Teamster friend of mine called it the death shake. That's the quality that he can't seem to match, at least in my case. Maybe I'm an outlier, Siobhan. Maybe, is that unfair for me to take my customer experience and relate that to the company? Mm, look, I think uh, I think the results speak for themselves, don't they? Like the, the, this is you as a consumer uh, and out there in the world experiencing this, and, and I think that's uh, valid to talk about. Yeah, listeners, if you've got these experiences with the CarMax, hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to hear these stories. Um, I suspect that I'm not alone. Yeah, I, I have had bought a car from CarMax. No, actually, I sold a car to CarMax, so I couldn't tell you about the buying experience, but um, it was pretty seamless uh, offloading the car. So that makes me wonder, you know, how much do they really look into these cars and, and check them over? Corey. What is your next drill down? Let's look at BlackBerry. BlackBerry, it trades with the ticker BB, market cap of about 2.5 bill. Shares were down 11% in the last week. And in the last 12 months, shares down 9%. What is the story with BlackBerry, Corey? So uh, BlackBerry uh, just kind of, you know, uh, it's, a, it's an endless, endless uh, downsizing that doesn't seem to find an end. Um, uh, and, uh, well, I mean, you, we remember, but, but Siobhan, you probably have a fond Blackberry from your days of yore. I, I sure do. I had a Blackberry when, uh, we were at Bloomberg. Didn't we use Blackberries? I did. I, my, I think my favorite Blackberry was, well, actually right when I first joined Bloomberg, they were still using Blackberries, but I refused to even turn mine on. I just found some a hack and using my iPhone. Eventually the, the company came around. But the one I loved was back when I was at CNBC, the thing was indestructible. You could throw it against the wall. It was great. But they stopped making those years ago, the Crackberry smartphones that everyone needed so badly. Now they've got sort of two business units. They sell cybersecurity software and embedded software used in cars. So last week when the company reported third quarter revenues, both of those businesses are shrinking. Now they hid that a little bit by selling a big pile of patents in a one-time deal to bring in some desperately needed cash uh, for this company. But, you know, the bottom line is their two businesses are both shrinking and continue to shrink. And they, but they continue to blame the slowdown on some government contracts that they say will still come in at the end of the year. And they say that these car deals, uh, there's been a slowdown in making of cars, but that's going to pick up by the end of the year. But I think it's reasonable to wonder if they can continue to kick down a can down the road that might be empty. In the car business, they're saying that there are changes at the car makers that are making it slower to, to install their, their software, but they insist that the car makers are just about to get back on track and that the delays are short term. And well, listen to CEO 
uh, Blackberry CEO, John Chen. Um, so the, the company that are looking at their software divine vehicle effort and uh, to push out some uh, and to delay the, either the start of the design or so starting into the production are the really big companies. Um, and some of them are very visible. Uh, they announce, you know, reorg that actually the outcome favors the software defined vehicles strategy. Um, and you know, Toyota has announced reorg. Um, uh, VW has announced reorg. Uh, and I, you know, I mean, I, and a number of others that we have not announced reorg. And then pardon me for not being able to repeat that because that's that's customer proprietary information. So they they will they will not be happy with me. Uh, so so you could get that sense. However, everybody has kind of tell us it's like a, you know, not in a precision way, but it's kind of like a one year move, four quarter move. Uh, and frankly speaking, we are in the third or the fourth quarter already. So this is one of the reasons why the team has some really um, strong pipeline that they believe in for Q4. And so in summary, some of the biggest companies in the world are somehow doing reorganizations or top secret reorganizations, which he can't explain or can't even tell us about. But as soon as the reorganizations are done at all these companies, all of the orders from BlackBerry will not be reorganized and, and disappear and they'll continue at the pace they had been before in time for the fourth quarter. Uh, Siobhan, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that one either. Now, what about the uh, the auto workers strike? How's that impacting things? It can't help. I mean, if 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 the, the the making of new cars is slowing down, then the installation of BlackBerry software in those new cars isn't going to happen. And that's yet another thing, maybe a new excuse for them, but it's another suggestion that they are not going to hit fourth quarter numbers. At least, seems to me, there could be problems. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, uh, not not great news over there at. Blackberry. Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look at Sunrun, big solar company. Beautiful. Sunrun. It trades with the ticker RUN, R-U-N, market cap, 2 billion. Shares were down 17% in the last week. But for the last 12 months, shares are down 63%. Goodness. What's the story with Sunrun? Well, yeah, you, uh, Siobhan, you would think that solar stocks would be doing well with the Biden administration focus on renewable energy and the Inflation Reduction Act, which President Biden signed into law um, about this time last year, August of, of 2022, because uh, they had lots of lucrative incentives to encourage uh, the transition away from fossil fuels and, uh, yes, expanded tax breaks for solar panel installation. But at the same time, California is taking away some incentives. And that might start to show up in the revenue growth rate of solar companies in the third quarter. How is that happening? Well, to be specific, the California Public Utilities Commission, uh, uh, the CPUC, as we call it in California, uh, they passed a net metering 3.0 rule. What is that rule? Well, fundamentally, it means that if you put solar on your roof and you create more energy than you use in your house, you used to be able to sell it back to the grid at a, at a fixed rate. Well, now the rate is no longer fixed. You can still sell it back to the grid, but you sell it for whatever the rate is at the time that you sell it. So during the day, when there's not huge consumption of energy, and it's, of course, when people's solar panels are cranking out energy, well, uh, you can sell it only at the low rates of the daytime. 
But in the evening when people are home from work and they're cranking the AC still and they're running their dishwashers, they're running their, their washer dryer and they got the TV on and all that. Well, all that power usage, the power cost is a little bit higher. And the result is uh, the, the people solar panels on the roof can't sell extra solar power because they're using the power. And maybe more to the point, I don't know what it's like in, in Australia, Siobhan, but in the United States, especially in California, at night, it's dark. In the day, it's light. Funnily enough, Corey, we do have the same issue uh, down here. Really? But it's upside down down there. I thought I know. the toilets swirl in the opposite direction. I don't understand this stuff. Anyway, the CPUC um, putting a damper on potential third quarter growth. And so we're going to find out really soon what Sunrun did. The stocks have really gotten beat up in the solar sector in the last week. So I thought it would be interesting to hear what Sunrun had to say about the upcoming risk when they reported the second quarter earnings just a few weeks ago. Here's Sunrun CEO, Mary Powell. I mean, you know, when we look at California and we look at what's happening outside California, you know, again, I, I think we hit that pretty hard. We're seeing really significant growth outside California and we're seeing volume in California and we're seeing it uptick and we see that California is actually massively underpenetrated, particularly when you think about the opportunity to uh, again, bring multiple products to California customers. So, you know, again, we guided, we're rock solid on our 10 to 15% guide that we gave for this year. And we don't see any reason to believe that, our, you know, again, our consumer interest is, is very active for what we're selling. And we continue to see, uh, you know, again, tremendous opportunity in California and the rest of the country looking forward. Tremendous opportunity may, but for this next quarter and the end of this year, maybe not so much in California for Sunrun. Right up next, a really cool conversation about creating a modern internet with AI. Absolutely. Wix founder and CEO Avishay Abrahami joins us from Tel Aviv right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight, ever. With Era, customize your company watch lists, track key events, mentions, filings, and all that good stuff, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A.com. Right, welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. As we promised, we're joined by the Wix.com CEO, Avishai Abrihami, joining us from somewhere in Israel. Where are you in Israel? Are you in Tel Aviv? I'm in Tel Aviv. I'm in Tel Aviv. Yeah, the most Israel. boring place, yes. Where is yeah, everybody from? Uh, no, but Tel Aviv has never been boring. It's, it's been many things, but never boring. Um, uh, Wix.com, fascinating business uh, and really dominant in the business of providing websites, right? Uh, I've, I've read some things getting ready for this interview. A 45% market share? Well, it depends what you're looking at. If you're looking at the people that will build their own websites or businesses right. that will build their own websites, we're above 50%. If you're looking at the total uh, SaaS CMS uh, market share, so we are uh, above 25%, almost 30. So, so what is the business? Describe to me what your business model is. Well, it's very simple. People, businesses, right, mostly, uh, want to build a website, right? And they come to us, they build a website, and they register, pay subscription. Uh, a big portion of those is using Wix not just to build a website, but also to run their business. So, you know, if you're a restaurant, if you're a gym, you're a spa, if you have e-commerce, you have a store, then it all connects together. So you can actually use Wix to manage your business as well. So that's the business and you pay for that subscription. So the business is kind of among your competitors would be 
uh, Google, Squarespace, um, uh, uh, Shopify in a certain way for the, for the, the e-commerce site. So right? Squarespace will be a competitor, probably the most direct one. We do compete a little bit with Shopify, but not a lot. So there is some places we have parallel, but it's a very different product offering. Uh, WordPress would be another one. So WordPress.org is a big competitor. And uh, Google, uh, w- once dominant in domains, is kind of stepping back from that business and has got given it, basically sold it to one of your competitors, yes? What, what are the dynamics of that deal? Uh, well, um, Google actually never been, you know, the bigger player in the domain marketplace is uh, GoDaddy. I think it was always right, bigger than course. Google. But uh, uh, we don't really, the domain is like something we give. We don't really, that's not a business. We are not, if you want to buy a domain, you're probably not going to go to Wix. If you want to build a website, you're probably going to go to Wix. And talk to me about that building. How has that changed over the course of the last five years or so? Well, a lot. If we go back, we started with just, you know, letting it drag and drop and build a page. And uh, in the last uh, couple of years, uh, the level of where we help you manage your business has grown tremendously. And so a lot of what we do now is focusing on how you utilize because most of the business, right, transformed today to be online businesses. Okay, or if, if some kind of a footprint in the online universe. Right? So, yeah, well, your business is now podcasting, right? In the past, it would be, sure. a lot of it would be paper. And the uh, uh, TV, and, and it's true also for a lot of different businesses. Even a gym, where you actually go to the gym to practice, the way they manage the subscription, the way they manage who's gonna, uh, classes, who's registered, who's not, when to do events, all of it is transitioned to online. So a lot of what we do now is help you manage that portion of your business, right? The, the, the engine behind your business with the web presence. How did the pandemic change your business? It was interesting. And you know, also when uh, when it started, the business just went like, okay, like this. And we For those listening, that's a, that's a hand going straight up with a sound okay. effect, like a rocket ship. <laughs> and why are because everybody needed to move their staff online. Uh, of course, when it stopped, then uh, support, uh, the demand actually went to below what it was before and now it's recovering. And uh, so we had not enough resources, we had to work very hard to support everybody. Then we have too many resources within it. And, and so but I think we're getting to a place where back to stability now. Why did, why did that slowdown happen? I guess I have, I've seen that in the numbers. I don't really understand what went on. I mean, for most businesses, uh, the discussion was there was an acceleration and we saw 10 years of, of internet growth in the course of 18 months. But True. for your business to have things slow down so much, was it just that, the ado- that you benefit from the adoption of new internet practices, but not from the continued use of new internet practices? Well, so we didn't get more people canceling. Okay, so the people that joined during the epidemics, they acted like normal users. There was no difference. But the demand after that went down. That's what we saw. And I think there's a couple of things. One of them is that a lot of people that were hesitating or thinking about it and delaying it, right, all joined during the pandemic. And so that was part of it. The other part of it, I think that most of our customers will be small businesses. And with the pandemic going down, we started to have an economy crisis. And I think the combination of the economy crisis, right, uh, with the uh, pandemic slowdown, that created a slowdown on demand. We felt it, Squarespace felt it, Shopify felt it, pretty much everybody in our universe felt it. So I can say it was a very right. global uh, phenomena. And the uh, next pandemic, we're going to be wiser about how to tackle things. This was our first well, one. Let's, let's, 
Let's, let's hope there's not a new pa- pandemic anytime soon. Another the next pandemic, um, and well, the, and the, but the, but the new forest fire, at least in the markets, is this interest in artificial intelligence, which is endlessly amusing to me. Not least of which for your company, because you guys have been talking about artificial intelligence since all the way back in 2016. Um, but I wonder, from your perspective right now, wh- what tools, what artificial intelligence tools do you see users adopting or uh, more readily now than they might have in the past? I think that, uh, well, it's, it's a, I have a lot to say about it, but I'm going to try and summarize Please. it quickly. So I think, first of all, no, no, go for it. Uh, in 2016, we released, I think, the first ever uh, AI that created content uh, on a massive level on the planet for users, right? Nobody else did it in 2016. And uh, we allowed people to actually come to Wix, tell a few words about their business, research the internet, learn more about your business, use AI, and created your website, right? What we thought was a very good website for you. And that was a game changer in a lot of how users of Wix interacted with with, uh, with our platform. Because instead of working for two weeks or a week to build a business, a website for your business, you could do it in a few minutes. Obviously, I want to be clear, right? We didn't use transformer embedding-based AI because the algorithm itself was invented a year later, right? So ChatGPT algorithm was not even existing, right? Sure. And it was just a, 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 the discovery was 2017. So we used a bit more naive algorithms, but the results were good. And, they, and, and since then, uh, we've seen you know a lot of new technologies coming, a lot of things. I think what changed today dramatically is users willing to accept AI doing things for them. Right? And this is where I think the, uh, where what OpenAI achieved with ChatGPT 3.5 was so important. It's not necessarily a jump in technology. It's not a leap in technology, but it's a leap in adoption of technology where people are willing to yeah. use it. And of course, awareness of that it exists. And I think that is very important. Uh, we've added uh, OpenAI text creation uh, on Wix uh, in February already, right? And so it's, uh, while it's doing fantastic in terms that people are super happy with it, we see improvement in our metrics, in terms of business metrics because of that. Where it can help, right? So there's many ways, but if you think about it for a minute, what is the hardest thing for our users, right? The hardest thing for our users is that usually they know their business, okay? And and, and so you know the business, right? You're a gym, you're making podcasts, you're making books for cooking, you are, uh, uh, you organize events, you know your business, right? And you can talk about your business, but translating that into visual design and marketing slogans and, and, and content is very hard, okay? And we, if we look at our funnel, right? This it's, is, a, it's a different skill set that everyone doesn't have. True. And it's also a hard skill set. Even when you go to people that think they have it, a lot of the times they're not doing a really good job, right? It, it's not trivial to do it well. I often say that uh, 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 this is about podcasts, but I'll change the sentence. Websites are like babies. Just because everyone can have everyone doesn't mean everyone should. <laughs> true. And it's, it's to get a really good behaving website, it takes a lot of work. Yes. And yes. and uh, so we lose, a lot of our customers will be lost in that gap, right, between they want and their ability to get what they want or to have something that is proper that you can really use. And with technologies like uh, uh, GPT and other technology of uh, generative AI would allow us to design the website that fit your website, you fit your business and your style and the thing that you like, we actually can close this gap, okay? And I think that is what's so exciting in that for us because it means that we can take from 100 people that come to us, a larger number of them, a higher percentage, can end up being happy with the content they have, with the website they have, with how it performs. 
it seems that there's a regular progression of companies when they um, start to think about a, a strategy for a site, whether it's a mobile site, website, whatever, where they start to realize, oh, it's not enough just to have a, um, the existence of a site. You have to have a consistent diet of new content on such a site to keep people interacting with it, not just the tools, whether it's content in terms of something new to buy or something new to read or some new way to engage. Um, does that change? Does that sort of adoption curve change in the last few years for your company? Yeah, absolutely. We did see that uh, a lot more of our users would be aware of how you need to feed Google or Facebook in order to get better results. So we see that. And, and this yeah. is essentially what you're talking about. I think that the amazing thing with uh, the new AI technology is that we can now have Wix approach you and tell you, listen, I just saw that you have a class on Tuesday. It's not full. Do you want me to create a marketing campaign for that? And then oh, you know, your SEO ranking should be better. Should I write content for you? Or should I fix your site and do that? Right? And before, a year ago, that would not have been possible because you couldn't write something that is relevant to this and, business. And you're able to automate that through AI? Yes, we are. On your back end. It's really interesting. We are able to automate a huge portion of site creation. Okay. In fact, when I play with our, uh, we just announced a few weeks ago, a new, level, a new version of our release uh, started in 2016, but now we're releasing something way more powerful, which build the website from scratch, right? Fit for your business. We don't fill a template with information. We actually design the website to fit you, to build your, to, for your business, okay? According to the brief that we can generate about your business, the style, the tone, the location, and the services or, or, or the products, so it's really tailor-made for you. And then, we're able to extend it with more and more content over time. Well, it, it, it's super interesting because it makes me wonder if for you, AI uh, on your back end and on your front end will start to accelerate growth or, or give you new growth opportunities you didn't have before. Is that what you expect? Well, in 2016, when we released uh, ADI, the first AI thing, we saw a massive increase. And I think this version is way better. So I do hope so. We didn't release it yet. Hope. Uh, well, you know, okay. you know I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an old guy, so I've seen things that uh, I've seen life, you know, it can always surprise you, right? Sometimes you generate, you build something, you're sure about it. It doesn't do what you expect. And sometimes you do something that you don't expect it to be major and does insane, an insane effect, right? A massive effect. So it's very hard for me to predict. I can say one thing. When I use this new site generation with a generative AI capabilities to build website that I want to look at and, and use, it makes something that I would never be able to do on my own, and it is complete. I don't normally I don't even need to change anything there, and it's way better than anything else I could. So, if I were to imagine that your company could exceed ten percent top line growth in the next few years, I'm not asking for guidance or anything, but what are the what are the components that will lead your company to grow faster than it has in the last few years? Well, I think three. First of all, economy. Economy is always going to be an important part. If most of our customers are small businesses. They are the ones that are most influenced by economy. They don't have the resilience sure. and people don't initiate new businesses when the economy is in downturn, right? So I think that's the number one thing. The second one is our, uh, things like this one, right? Which remove the friction of you trying to build a new website or to maintain your existing website. And I think this is where AI is super influential. And the last part is that in the last couple of years, we spent more of energy on uh, agencies. So providing the right set of tools for agencies that use Wix to build websites for their customers. And I think the more we do a good job there, the better job we do 
for agencies, I think that would be another important thing. Interesting stuff. Uh, well, I wish you a lot of luck with that. Uh, Wix.com CEO, Avishi Abrahami. Thank you very uh, much. Pleasure. I appreciate Thank your time. You. Cheers. Okay. Coming up next on the Drill Down the Bite, the one number that tells us a whole lot more about Wix.com. Raintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. Right, we're back with a drill down the bite. One number that tells us a whole lot. All right, so Siobhan. Website self-creators, right? Those do-it-yourselfers, um, as, we, as we talked about in the interview, uh, they're doing a lot less business than they did during the pandemic. Um, uh, so the total business for um, uh, bookings for the, self, the self-creators, as they call them, the DIYers, I would call them, that business was down to $140 million for fiscal year 2023. But Wix says what's interesting about those customers is they are different. They are less transient. They will stay with the company longer, they predict. So how much is $140 million worth of bookings this year going to be worth over the total of five years? Well, the answer is they think that that cohort, that 2023 cohort that did $150 million in their first year bookings will stay out and result in $550 million worth of business over the next five years. There's your bite, $550 million, Siobhan. Fantastic. So, Corey, uh, when thinking through that, is it that, you know, during the pandemic, people had more time on their hands. They were at home. They were creating websites. Now they've got them up and running. And Wix is going to be the beneficiary of that revenue for years to come, even though there aren't uh, more signups now. Well, I, th- I think I think what happened is people started things that they didn't stick with during the pandemic. It wasn't just making sourdough bread and and uh, watching Michael Jordan's Last Dance. Whatever it was, whatever websites they were creating, a lot of them did not continue to create and continue to pay up to Wix every single year to keep those websites active. Uh, but the types of creators they have seen this year, they can tell from the kind of businesses they're starting online that they will be online for years to come, and that will result in $550 million in total revenues, even though it's only $140 million in year one. Okay, fantastic. Well, lifetime customer value as those fancy PhDs in business like you understand. Did you start a, a little sourdough company or, you know, a, a Wix um, startup during the pandemic? I started a podcast company. That was a, uh, that itself was a bad idea. And we didn't use Wix for a website. Another bad idea, although you can check it at bizpod.net and see what you think. Let us know on Twitter or on the socials. Hey, we appreciate your time. We're glad you were listening to The Drill Down. We're glad you're going to check out that website. I'm glad that you can put up with me, Corey Johnson. It's so easy to put up with Siobhan Field. Check her out in the latest uh, edition of Forbes Australia, where you can read her work. Isaac Webster, our executive producer, helped put this show together. Siobhan, thank you very much. Ben Wilson, our editor extraordinaire. The Drill Down is a production of that very same COVID-inspired business podcast network.